The following was recorded live as part of homeschool.com's 2005 homeschooling teleconference. To order additional recordings, visit www.homeschool.com or send an email to orders at homeschool.com. So uh, for the next hour, we're going to be speaking with Valerie Bent. The topic is Unit Studies Made Easy. So today we are talking about the most popular homeschooling styles. And last year we interviewed Valerie Bent about how to uh, interview um, different age children at the same time, and it became such a natural extension talking about unit studies. Uh, and in these different styles, we're interviewing the top expert for each area, and Valerie Bent really is the top uh, homeschooling expert about unit studies. Uh, Valerie and her husband, Bruce, have homeschooled their six children all of their school lives. Uh, drawn from nearly 25 years of homeschool experience, Valerie offers wisdom and encouragement in her books, Unit Studies Made Easy. Uh, Valerie has also created several other books about uh, creating books with children, Reading Made Easy, uh, The Francis Study Guide, Successful Puppet Making, and Easy to Make Bible Story Puppets. So um, Valerie is quite a resource on a variety of different areas. Her four oldest children have graduated from homeschooling, and uh, she and her husband continue to homeschool their youngest children as well as help teach their two grandchildren. So uh, Valerie, you are a, a busy woman. Well, very honored to have you on the call today. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. So uh, unit studies are a fascinating area of homeschooling. I remember when I had first looked into homeschooling 14 years ago, I'd read an article in the paper about these families who got together, and they were doing it on medieval times, and they had uh, killed their own chicken and plucked it and how they wore the costumes. And I remember getting the, that butterflies in my stomach and thinking, oh, my gosh, this is just what I'm looking for. So can you give us a short uh, definition of what is unit studies or what are unit studies? Okay. Um, there's probably several definitions out there, um, each a little different. But basically, I, I think I'd like to say what unit studies are not. That might be the easiest way to start. Uh, unit studies are not textbook studies, which entail the study of as many as eight separate subjects, each having little or no correlation to the other. Uh, for example, you have your math, your history, your science, your geography, your English, and so forth. And usually those subjects don't tie together. A unit study is, is a subject or a topical study that ties all our subjects together. Um, for example, you'll study one topic. Maybe it'll be uh, World War II or uh, we're doing a botany unit study now. And all our other subject areas will be integrated into that particular topical study. What led you to do unit studies with your children? Um, have you always used this method of instruction? Um, I haven't always used it. In the early days, of course, we didn't know what we were doing, and um, we were happy to get any materials that were available to homeschoolers. When I began homeschooling, there it wasn't even called homeschooling. Um, it was just called being weird. <laughs> and, and my parents were like, oh, they're just being weird again, you know. And uh, anyway, we were happy to get any material. So, of course, we were using school materials, uh, workbooks, textbooks, and the like. And I found my kids just, they weren't thriving at all. Um, before we began our formal studies, we were doing informal studies, you know, like preschool activities and so forth. And the kids were doing great. But once we started formal studies, um, we found that our, our methods were digressing. And 
I realized it's like a three-ring circus trying to teach several kids at several different levels out of different textbooks. And I knew we needed something to bring unity to our home and to our study. And so that's um, why you chose a unit studies. Exactly. And did you I always did, create your own unit studies, or um, did you use published material? Well, in the beginning, I didn't even know what a unit study was until I had attended a conference and found out about a unit study, a particular uh, published unit study curriculum. And I used that for a little while. I was very excited about it. Like you said, um, uh, that the whole learning style just appealed to me. Uh, doing projects and everything all related and everybody doing it together. But I realized when we started using the published curriculum, um, my kids would say things like, oh, well, Mom, let's study this because this goes really well with our topic. Let, let's do this. And I'd say, well, you know, that's not, um, that's not in the lesson plan, so we can't do that. And then another day they'd say, oh, but let's study this. I know you'll let us do this because this goes right with what we've been studying, Mom. You know, they had these little side trails they wanted to explore, but I would not allow them to because it wasn't in the lesson plan. And here I still had that teacher school mode going, and finally my oldest daughter said, Mom, our ideas are just as good as the ideas in that manual. And I said, you know what? I closed the book, and I said, your ideas are better. And the reason they were better is because they were something my children were interested in something our family could take hold of and and run with, whereas this other published curriculum was something some other family had developed, which was great. I'm not putting that down at all. It got me started. But it wasn't, we needed to tweak it for our family, if that makes sense, so that our kids would be motivated. I remember when we spoke last year, you told the story about your daughter in college and how each of the prof- their research skills were so excellent. Can you yes. tell that story again? Yes, yes. Um, I, I believe, that I have to back up a little bit so people know where that's coming from. Um, often people ask me, well, if you create your own unit studies, how much time does that take you to do that? And, and I learned I didn't have the time to do that. So I made that part of our, our lesson. The children and I would pick a topic, or sometimes I would pick a topic if it was something I felt was important I wanted them to study. But at any rate, we would pick a topic and explore it together and develop the unit study together. And I did this mainly because I was lazy, and I just didn't have the time. Well, I had six kids. I didn't have the time to put into all that research. So I had them help with the research. Well, lo and behold, that was the best thing I could have done because the skills they developed were phenomenal. I remember my daughter, Melissa, the one who you're talking about, um, she uh, decided that you can pick any topic you want and do a unit study on it. And I let each of my four children at the time do that. And Melissa picked, of all things, dolls and stuffed animals. And I thought, oh, dear, but I had promised she could do it on anything. But I realized after she started delving into this topic, which there's more out there than I care to know about dolls and stuffed animals, that these research skills that she acquired could be transferred to any field of study. And that's exactly what happened. When she was in college, her professors would remark, I remember she took an anthropology class, which was not her favorite. She's an English major, and uh, she's mainly into literature, like medieval literature. 
And the professor said, oh, your research skills are incredible. You are gifted in anthropology. You should be an anthropologist. Mm-hmm. And and my daughter, Melissa, was like trying to be very polite <laughs> and say, well, um, thank you, but I, you know, I'm really, I'm an English major. And, and then when she took sociology, the professor said the same thing. You should major in sociology. I have never seen a student with research skills like you have. You are, this is your field. And she said, Mom, those are the two subject areas that I liked the least. But because she had acquired these skills um, early on of research, she was able to transfer those even to subject areas that were not appealing to her. So much to the point that her professors thought that she was, quote, gifted in these areas. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of funny, isn't it? So research skills are um, one of the benefits of a unit studies approach. What are some of the other strengths of homeschooling your children through unit studies? Um, I would say the fact of unity to the fa- in the family if you all study the same topic. Um, that's another strength of unit studies. I think they're far more interesting. I think it makes more sense. When we can see how our subjects relate to a topic of study. I remember being in school and being just confused because you spend 45 minutes in a subject and ding, the bell rings, and you move on to something else. There was no continuity. Nothing seemed to flow. With a unit study, everything flows as you're studying one topic and integrating your subject matter into it. And I think there's much better retention of the material when it's learned this way. You have a framework, a structure uh, on which to hang information. It gives you uh, ways to connect material that you learn, have learned. Unit studies are also really good for large families, aren't they? Yes, they are. They really are. And the little ones can even, can even participate on a lower level. Um, there's always lots of library books written for young children, picture books and so forth, that apply to every topic imaginable. And those are great for the young kids. And the little kids, they pick up so much. It's amazing what they will pick up just by being in the room. Um, Say something you don't want them to repeat, and you will know what I'm saying. (laughs) That's true. Walking tape recorders. (laughs) Right. Uh, Valerie, walk us through, if you would, uh, through one of the unit studies that you've done with your children. Kind of give us a picture for what a typical unit study would be like, and how do the children show you what they know? Okay. Um, for example, one of our favorite unit studies that we have done a couple of times, because I have so many children, sometimes you will repeat unit studies later on. Um, but it's interesting to see how these unit studies take on a new dimension when you're doing it with different children, because their personalities really take over and formulate and help to create that study. Um, But one of our favorite unit studies has been on sign language, for example. Now, this was something I was interested in years ago, and I didn't have the time to just study it on my own. And so I found that if there's something that I'm interested in in learning about, I do it with my kids in college school. And I know that sounds kind of trite, but who has time to pursue things, right, on our own? But anyway, I was interested in sign language, and so... Um, whenever I conduct a unit study, this is one of the key elements, I always try to find at least one biography about an individual that somehow relates to our topic of study because as we study real people and real space and time, history comes alive. 
history is not just a series of dates and wars to be memorized, but rather the interacting of individual with individual. And this is what we really see in a unit study. For example, um, while studying sign language, we chose to read the biography of Thomas Hopkins Gallaudet, who is the founder of Deaf Education in America. Many of you have heard of Gallaudet College, uh, which is the Deaf College. And uh, we read a biography called Gallaudet, Friend of the Deaf. And then we also read an autobiography of Helen Keller called The Story of My Life. And it was interesting, as we read through both of these um, biographies, we found that uh, Gallaudet College was used as a Union Army hospital during the Civil War. And Helen Keller's father was also a captain in the Civil War on the other side. Um, so it gave us a, pers- a historical perspective of sign language. Then we used a sign language instruction video and book and learned hundreds of signs, thus developing communication skills and manual dexterity. And But the thing that, to me, is really phenomenal is that as we study, we don't have to plan all this out word for word or ahead of time um, in our unit studies. Because as we study about one individual, and that's why I pick biographies to begin with. Those are our core. Other individuals will come to light. For example, when we studied about Helen Keller, we were introduced to Dr. Alexander Graham Bell. And we found out he was responsible for setting Helen on her educational pursuits. And so we branched off and studied a little bit about Dr. Bell at the time and found that he studied about hearing and the ear. Well, this went perfectly with our study. And we also studied um, the anatomy of the human hand, which is the uh, instrument of communication of the deaf. So you see, both studying the ear and the hand gave a scientific dimension to our study. Uh Our children, um, also art came into play as our children drew their hands as they form the letters of their names. They each made a beautiful poster with the hand shapes um, spelling out their name. And language arts came into play as we took our spelling, vocabulary, punctuation, grammar lessons, reading comprehension exercises, and so forth, from the books we were reading, not from some language arts curriculum, but from the actual core books that we were using. And my children even made a book about a, a sign language. Um, one daughter made a sign language alphabet book. And uh, so this added to our creative writing and art. And we researched Bible verses pertaining to hearing and the ear. That helped to, helped to supplement our Bible studies. And uh, as you can see, um, many subject areas can be drawn from this topic. We added a dramatic element to our study as we visited Helen Keller's home in Tuscumbia, Alabama, and saw the play about her life. It was an outdoor play um, performed at her home called The Miracle Worker. Now, of course, you could get the video of The Miracle Worker and watch that. But as you see, we touched on many subject areas, but our attention was still geared toward what? Our primary study of sign language. But other skills were strengthened along the way, and that's what I see with a unit study. Basic skills can be taught and enhanced in a meaningful way through a unit study. Does that kind of give you an idea of, of how we work it? In fact, the word uh, meaningful is what came to my mind, too, uh, and memorable. 
because I'll bet that children now they're going to remember all this because it it makes sense. It isn't so fragmented and arbitrary. Exactly, that's exactly right. And I remember memorizing things in school and not being able to retain that. And I found my kids are able to retain things far better than I am even. They'll remember things from a unit study that I can't remember because their brains are young and fresh. Well, let me repeat this, Valerie, so I make sure um, our callers understand. For example, you you select different topics, and we're going to talk in a moment about how to select the different topics. Okay. But, for example, you had an interest in learning about sign language. That's right. So you right. selected the sign language, and your children said, oh, that sounds like a great topic. So then uh, you took the children to the library, and you found biographies relating to sign language, and you found those uh, particular biographies. And then you went back and did the older children read it to the younger children, or did you find biographies on different levels? Um, basically, I try to pick one or two biographies that I read aloud to the children. Ah, you read aloud to everyone yes. then. Right, and I let some of the older children take turns reading aloud also. And then uh, you were thinking, okay, how can we use the different subject areas for this topic? So right. uh, history, of course, was covered in the biographies. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you wanted to do science. You did the anatomy and physiology of the ear and of the hand. Right. And then, of course, you uh, practical application, you learned sign language, and now your family has a secret language that they can use. Right. <laughs> when they're out at parties or somewhere and somebody wants to go, you can speak sign language to each other. It's great when they have to go to the bathroom and they don't want to shout, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so, now you, so now you've given them a practical skill. Right. And they even did some art with it. And then uh, they showed you what they uh, learned about this. Did they write reports? Did some give oral reports? Did some put right. together three-board displays of what they know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we try to find some way to present the material. Um, some of the kids made books, and some just gave, like, an oral report. And uh, so that we just always try to find something they can do to present the material so that they can remember what they've done. How long do you spend on each uh, unit study? For example, the sign language, how long did all of that take? Okay, I generally try to spend five to six weeks on a unit study, but this one did take longer because there were so many signs to learn. Um, if you're beginning, I wouldn't do a unit study that's more than five or six weeks long. But with how much time do like, you spend every day then on this? Every day we spend, I would say, two, probably two hours. Because then we have another hour in which we'll do math um, and some other things, like maybe we're, if we're working on, uh, you know, they have music that they're doing, music lessons and, you know, other elements. Um, some of the subjects that didn't necessarily blend in that well with that particular unit study. Right. And, and a foreign language, if they're studying another foreign language. So you might, so organizing your day then, you would spend about two hours with the whole family learning this particular topic and then the children would go off and do their individual studies with math or music or foreign language. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, what are some other uh, unit study topics that have been your favorite with your children that you recommend that other people might want to use with their families? Um, we did a unit study. Um, well, actually, let me tell you what we're getting ready to do right now because that's kind of in my mind. Yes, please. Um, we've actually started it. We're doing a botany unit study. Um, my daughter Mandy is in high school. And, you know, you have certain requirements for high school. Um, so one of the, I went online. You can go online to your, whatever state you're in, to the Department of Education. You can go to their website and they'll, and somehow you can get through the layers and you can get to the high school curriculum. 
and you'll find the course numbers and course descriptions. Well, botany happened to be one of them, and my daughter Mandy is not a very scientifically minded person. So I knew I needed to pick something that would appeal to her. So we chose botany, and we've started out actually this week, and we've been planning a garden, and it's been great. We've worked three full days in the yard now. <laughs> but um, So we're also reading the autobiography of George Washington Carver, ah. and uh, we're, we're just starting that. And as we get into that, we're going to learn some things that will help us to develop our study. Um, we'll also study about Luther Burbank with hybridization, and um, for an artistic element, we're studying Monet with all the flowers he painted in his gardens and so forth, and we'll even try our hand at painting, and I like impressionistic painting because it doesn't matter if it doesn't look real clear and uh, realistic, and then we're going to, so the science comes out through the plants themselves, we'll be studying, we're actually using the Apologia um, textbook for botany. Ah, Beverly Kruger just mentioned that, that she used it for uh, chemistry. Okay. Now, the botany is actually a lower level. It's not considered high school. But what I'm doing is I'm using it as a basic structure, and then we're using other materials to supplement it. Um, so uh, I'm really excited about this, this study. But another study that we've done that the kids really enjoyed, that would be a science-based study. I try to choose from five different subject areas. Um, throughout the years, because if it were up to me, I would choose only literature-based unit studies, mm-hmm. because that's my love, is literature. But I know that that won't give me a well-rounded curriculum. So I try to choose unit studies that are either literature-based. Um, we did a unit study on Swiss Family Robinson. It was wonderful. Uh, also, maybe unit studies that are science-based, like the one on botany or electricity or astronomy. Or if a child's crazy for dinosaurs or horses, oh, they could exactly. do it on that topic as well. That's wonderful, yes. And then we try to choose unit studies that are history and geography-based, maybe the Civil War or American history. Um, and then there's also, um, let's see, what did I say? I said science, history, geography. Science, history, and geography kind of go together. And... Um, Language arts would be a literature-based unit study. A fine arts unit study would be one maybe where we studied the orchestra and the instruments of the orchestra and great composers. Um, and then I have another area that I just called general knowledge, which is for studies that don't really fit into any of those other areas, <laughs> like the sign language. I would say that fits under general knowledge. Um, but... Um, what was your actual question there? I oh, no, kind of lost so, myself. So excellent. And I know that our listeners are taking a lot of notes. So, for example, for this year coming up, uh, help us plan out some units, a unit study schedule for the year, if you would. Like how many, how many literature based, how many science based? I would choose, I would choose one of each of the five areas. Okay, so let's say, so one for science. Right. And now do you have one for history or is just history a part of each one? Well, I usually try to pick one that's a historically-based unit because then it gives you more meat in the history department. You see what I'm saying? Even though history, all of these subjects, quote, come into play in each unit, but that's not the emphasis of the unit. So one for science, one for literature, one for history, one for, you said kind of miscellaneous? Right, just general knowledge. That could be, let's, if you picked a topic that didn't really fit in any other category, we'd throw it in there. 
And then what what was the other category? Um, did we say we said science, science? language, uh, science, literature, yes, history. Um, let's see, science, literature, history. I'm kind of like losing my train of thought here. Um, I have a paper and a note. Uh, fine arts, fine arts. Oh, fine arts. Okay. Yeah. Okay, for example, then, this year, A Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is coming out as a movie. Yes, we did a unit study on that, like, two years ago. So I was thinking that would be excellent. So if you wanted be. to do a, li- a Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe unit study, what mm-hmm. would you do? I'll tell you what we did, and this was a couple of years ago. Um, we got all the books. I think there's seven books. And we also got a biography of C.S. Lewis. So we read the biography while we were reading the other seven books. And I would read a couple of chapters each day to the kids from each of the books, you know, from one book, of course, at a time. And as after we finished the chapter, the kids would make up questions. You know, normally when you do a textbook, what do you do? You read the chapter and answer the questions at the end, right? Yes. Well, I thought, hey, why not let the kids invent their own questions? This would be far better. There's They're, a lot of value in that because you have oh. to understand the material in order to come up with good questions. Exactly. That's exactly right. So as we would read each chapter, the kids would make up something like five questions per chapter. At the end of the chapter of the book. Uh, uh, yes. Like if we were reading the first book, which is um, oh, which is the, it's the one, uh, The Magician's Nephew, I think, yes. is actually the first book. Yes. And so when we would read a chapter one, the kids would each make up like five questions for that chapter. And then, after we finished the book, my daughter, Mandy, I taught her how to use Microsoft Publisher and how to go in and make game cards. And she made those questions into cards, and they actually invented false answers. We made it multiple choice, and they invented false answers for each question and, of course, the correct answer. And, uh, And we made sure we underlined the correct answer. And so on one side of the card, it had the question with the answers, and the one that was correct was underlined. And on the opposite side of the card, we had pictures of the book covers. Oh, this is very good. We went online, and of course we could never sell this because the material is copyrighted, but, you know, for your own family use, it's fine. We went online, and we copied the uh, pictures from the publisher's website of the covers, and the kids took them into paint and did stuff to them because, you know, they didn't like it if it had, like, a price on it or, you know, something like that. And So they learned how to get it the right size to fit on the card. And then we made up, so for each chapter we had questions. And that, we the book cover would be on the back side of that card for that question, okay? Then we made up questions also that went with the biography. These were questions about C.S. Lewis's life. And those all had a picture of C.S. Lewis on oh. the back side. Oh, this is then, very good. Then we made a game board. And playing lots of games, I try to have at least one game also that relates to our unit study oh. that we either purchase or make. And by playing commercially produced games, kids learn how to make a game. And uh, so we made a game board. And we used pictures also from the, um, I think it was Narnia.com website. And... We printed those onto sheets and then glued them onto a game board. And I think the kids, we actually made little people. We made Lucy and all the little individual um, characters, and we made them so they stood up. We just had little pictures of them and just made them like a little triangle. It's kind of hard to describe. But anyway, they were on stiff board, and they stood up. Yeah. So those were the playing pieces. So this was great. 
it was a way for the kids to remember the information they learned. And like you said, there's far more value in formulating a question than in just answering one because you know they're comprehending. Now you have different age children. So what did the younger children do? What did the older children do? Um, well, at this particular time, I was only homeschooling two because my older had all graduated. Uh, but if I were had a younger child, what I would do is I would get, there are some actual picture books that are condensed versions of the real books. And I would probably read those with the younger children. They're Do you actually, read the books, the C.S. Lewis books, in the morning or at nighttime before you go to bed? In the, in the morning. In the morning. So you kind of read to the whole group. Yeah, it's our, it's, it's, you know, it's just part of our school, school day. And, um, but with younger kids, I would probably use some of the picture books and read those because that would help them to better understand the stories. You know, they may be listening to the real story, but um, they could listen to the picture book or abbreviated version. I like to do that even with other literature. I try to find picture books that relate to our topic for the younger kids. And, and then you know, the children the could older... go see the movie, I suppose, this year, too, and maybe yes, compare the book. Excited. Well, let me tell you what happened. This is just how the Lord works. When we were doing the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe study, uh, what really sparked this was my, my two children were going to be in a homeschool drama production of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Ah. So I said, well, you know, we haven't read the book, kids. Let's read the book. And so we actually got the book on CD because we were going on a trip, and we listened to it. So And then I said, ooh, we have to back up because that's not the first book. So then we went back, and we read all of them through. Um, but that's another thing you can do. You can use CDs and listen to the books. You don't always have to be reading. Um, so the kids were in the play. Well, then our local performing arts center also put on a play of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe at the same time. So we went to see that. So that was just really exciting to the kids to be in that play and then to see it perform professionally at the same time we were studying it. Did they write any reports? or any kind of presentations that, you know, included their writing skills? Because they wrote the questions out. They wrote they... the questions, right. And that was our main writing, was writing the questions and the directions to the game. Ah, uh, yes. You see, that was quite a bit. And they also copied certain passages from the books. Um, copying is a real simple method um, to help kids learn to write better. As they copy well-written material, it sort of puts that pattern in their brain of how to write well. And even Benjamin Franklin used that method. He would copy material that he felt was well-written, and he said that's what trained him to write. Now, this is when uh, your family's making up their own unit studies, and there are some published unit studies. How do you feel about those, and what advice would you give to the person who wants to use uh, published unit studies? Okay. Um, as with any curriculum materials, I think it's important that we remember that we are teaching the child and not the book. And I love what Ruth Dietrich says. She says um, something to this effect. She said, if the book isn't working, bend the book or find another. In other words, don't bend the child. And I have seen so many people try to bend their children to fit a book. So my suggestion is if you're using a published unit study curriculum, which is fine, a lot of people need a jumping off point. My my just a warning is to, you know, disregard any material you feel is awkward and doesn't fit your situation. Okay. It doesn't fit your child. Make that study fit your family. 
to kind of use it to help you with the research, but then um, be choosy. Right, right. And you know, maybe you want to. People will want to start with uh, a, a published unit study curriculum just to give them a feel for how how do I do this. Now, some people listening um, may think, "Oh gosh, this unit study sounds like a lot of work," or "Or I don't think I can do this because I have to do so many projects." How do you feel about this? What types of projects do you think lend themselves well to unit study methods? Well, first of all, you don't have to do projects. Whenever I was pregnant, which was often, um, I couldn't do projects. You know, so we were we did mostly reading, and and that was good. You know, there are different seasons for different things, um, but I really enjoy doing projects with my kids, and I know a lot of parents moan about projects, but I've never heard a child moan about doing a project. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that is true. You know, they love it because what? It makes a lot of kids are hands on. Mm-hmm. They learn by doing, right? That's right. And um, but each project need not be a major task. Um, we have made books. That's been our favorite project and games. Those are two that we love doing with unit studies. And the games, you don't even have to make a game that has a game board. You don't have to get that elaborate. It could just be questions. It could have just been the trivia questions. Exactly. The trivia questions. Exactly. That would have been enough. That would have been sufficient. And I'll tell you, my children's friends love to come over and play that game. They just loved it. Can you give us Um, an example of one of your favorite science unit studies? um, One of our favorite science unit studies, I'll tell you, was a study we did on flight, Um, you know, airplanes. Um, this was something I really wasn't interested in, and at the time, my boys, Robert and Raymond, who are now grown, really wanted to study it. So I had bought all these books at a curriculum fair and put them on the shelf, and I just kept, you know, putting it off, getting around to doing that unit study. So finally, I said, okay, we're going to do this unit study on flight, and I get all the books out, and Robert and Raymond go, oh, Mom, we've already read all those. Oh. And I said, What? What do you mean? And they said, well, we weren't waiting for you. <laughs> and I said, well, good. I'm glad they were self-learners. I said, but let's let's go ahead and do this unit study, and we'll get some other books from the library. And and so we decided to um, study about Eddie Rickenbacker, who developed airplane engines, um, and he was a pilot uh, during World War II. And anyway, we decided to study about him. Remember I told you we try to pick a biography? about someone or an autobiography that relates to our study, and we read his autobiography. And uh, it was just fascinating. Here was a study that I wasn't interested in, okay, but I just decided to do it anyway because my boys wanted to do this. And so we read it this um, from, his auto, from Eddie Rickenbacker's autobiography, and what had happened was he was on a mission to give a top-secret message um, to General MacArthur by the Secretary of War. And he and seven other men were flying in a small plane over the Pacific Ocean trying to find this island. And they ran out of fuel, and they had to crash land in the water. And so they got, they were in lifeboats. They managed to climb out of the plane as it was sinking, get into lifeboats. And and they were 24 days in lifeboats. And as you read this man's account of those 24 days, I mean, that is just something that our, my kids and I, we have, that is something we have with us for a lifetime. And Eddie Rickenbacker said he kept his crew alive through prayer and the singing of hymns. 
And at one time, they were all, they didn't even have any food or water. They had very, very little, enough for like three days. So one time, all his men were looking at his head, just staring at his head and not moving or breathing or saying a word. And he knew something must be on his head. He reached up, and it was a seagull. And he grabbed it, and he rang its neck, and they ate every part they could possibly eat. And then they used the claws and intestines, and they made a fishing hook and a fishing line from some of the rope they had, and they caught a shark. And they sucked the juice from the shark just for the moisture. And then in the distance one day, they saw a thunderstorm about a mile away. They rode to the thunderstorm, and they filled their hats and pockets and everything they possibly could with water, including these little shell casings that um, were empty shell casings from where they were firing flare guns. And Eddie said he had to dole out one tablespoon of water to each man per day. And they were finally rescued. But my kids, this was years ago, and my kids still come to me and bring up the subject of Eddie Rickenbacker. And even my son Robert, when he went to college, he was so impressed with this that he did, for his public speaking class, he, he got Eddie's autobiography again, read the whole thing, and did a presentation on Eddie Rickenbacker. And, you know, this book entranced my children in a way that no textbook ever could. And I'm so pleased that Robert had that experience because now he's in the U.S. Marine Corps serving in Iraq. And I thought, wow, you know, he knows now what it's like. He read an account of a man of faith living in a time of peril. And, you know, he's he's in that situation now, and I'm so thankful that he had that man to study. Talk about character studies, right? Yes, and good role models. That's right. Well, so now you have such excellent ideas. We're getting close to the end of the time. Can do you mind just kind of listing off some other great ideas for unit study topics? Okay. Um, in my book, Unit Studies Made Easy, I do have 20 uh, unit studies that are just real briefly laid out with books and activities that we have used. Um, they're not what I would call full-blown unit studies. But the first unit study that I suggest is actually doing a unit study on the library where you study the history of the public library in America while learning how to use the library. Because how many of us really remember how to use the library? And it's such a great resource, too. It is. So by doing that, you, you study about the library. It becomes more interesting as you study the history of the library also. And then you can have your librarian make an appointment and go and have a tour of the library and really learn how to use it. And I suggest doing this with maybe one other family because, you know, I think I'm more motivated, to be honest, when I have another family involved in what we're doing. That's true. Accountability Um, and scheduling and more fun. It is. It's more fun and you can play off of each other's ideas. And uh, I don't really like doing it in a large group setting because I feel the unit becomes too watered down, but I like doing something with one or two other families that have a similar educational philosophy. What are some Um, of the other unit studies you suggest? Okay, some of the other unit studies, a children's authors unit, where we study a famous children's authors and make a book. Um, For example, uh, Curious George was developed by Margaret and H.A. Ray, and they are fabulous to read about. it's just so exciting to read about how they escaped Germany. They were German Jews and had to escape um, Hitler by riding bicycles. They were in France, actually, and they rode bicycles for four days to get to the oh. Spanish border. 
bicycles that Hans Ray had to cobble together from spare parts. I mean, when you study about these people's lives, you're just affected in a way that will stay with you for a lifetime. And then another think history is boring. Right. Um, and then I talked about literature-based units. Um, we've, we've done a study on Heidi. That's a fascinating literature unit study. Also, Swiss Family Robinson. Now, there's a lot of science involved in that. That's a wonderful one. Um, then I really enjoyed um, studying, let's see, uh, there was another one that I had called the plant sitter, which is, it's a, it's a botany unit for little children. And then aviation, we talked about flight or aviation, astronomy, um, ants. Ants are fascinating to study about. They really are. You can get an ant farm and watch the ants and study all about them. We even made a game where the, you know, the path, the game path that you follow on the game board is actually going through all the chambers in the ant hill. Ah. So that was fun. And then birds. Birds are fascinating to study about. Um, the human body. These are all, you know, science-based. Then we've studied Korea, um, ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, uh, and then art. We studied the Impressionists and uh, tried our hand at painting. We studied the orchestra. Um, those are just some of the topics that we have studied. But, you know, there are, as, as John Taylor Gatto says in his book, Dumbing Us Down, he says there are a million things out there to study about. Pick something and learn about it. I love his approach. All right. That sounds really terrific. Um, Valerie, do you mind if we open it up and speak with some of our callers? No, that would be great. Boy, I can't tell you how I took pages and pages of uh, notes here. I'm so excited. I'm already thinking what my next unit say is going to be with my children. Great. So, um, callers, uh, if you would, stay in mute mode unless you're asking a question. It's star six to unmute and star six to mute. Uh, come on out. Uh, feel free to talk with Valerie Bent and asking any questions or having any suggestions for great unit studies that you've done or you think might be a good idea. Hello, everyone. <laughs> what is that? Hello there. I hear a little a little child on the phone. Does anyone have a question for Valerie Bent about unit study? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I was wondering how long it takes to plan a unit study, and um, do you have it all planned out before you actually implement it? <laughs> okay. Thank you. That's um, an excellent question. Valerie, let me repeat that. We have good, so many people on the call. Her question was, how long does it take you to plan out a unit study, and do you plan it out all ahead of time? Okay. Um, I don't plan it out ahead of time because I found that if I did, that we never stayed on track. We never followed my lesson plans because as we got into the study, new light would, um, we would, new things would come to light and we would want to follow that path. Um, because the only way to really plan out a unit study before you do it is to really do the unit study yourself. And who has time for that, right? I do take some time and peruse maybe some things online. Um, or the library, but if you have children who are old enough, I suggest getting them to help you plan the unit. I love going to actually to Amazon.com. You can do great searches there and find materials and even peek into the books online there um, and see if you think you might like them, and then you can even pick them up at the library if it's a book you've found interesting. Okay, Thank you, Valerie. 
Next question, please. Once again, if you would, there's so many people on the call, if you would mute out your phone, star six, unless you're asking the question. I hear someone doing dishes in the bathroom. You may think that you're in mute mode, but uh, there we go. Thank you very much. Next question, please, for Valerie about unit studies. Yes, I have a question. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. My question is, um, when you're trying to keep up with state standards, and um, I'm in the state of Maryland, and we have to do reviews, how do you document your unit studies? Excellent question. Let me repeat, repeat that question, Valerie. She lives in the state of Maryland, and like many states, she has to document her learning. When you're using the unit studies approach, how do you uh, document what you've done so that it is acceptable and understandable to the authorities, as, as it were? Um, that is a good question. I use a journal, and I just take notes. Um, I write down the books that we've used and the, what we covered that day um, and a brief description of what we have done. I just keep a journal using just a spiral notebook. I find if I use a teacher's workbook, you know, a teacher's lesson planning book, nothing ever fits in those squares. Um, and another way to document what you have done is to take photos. Take photos of the projects you are doing. Kind of a portfolio then. Right. A portfolio is an excellent way to present the material. So pictures of you at the field trip, pictures of the game that you've created, right. any reports that the children have written. Right, and if you attend a museum, get a brochure, get one for each child to put in each one's portfolio. Now, for your older children, did you have to assign them grades for particular subject areas or units? Um, I am actually registered with a private school, and so we do have to assign grades. Um, and I, I have to break those into subjects, actually. So that it just gets a little tricky, but uh, I really don't like grades, but it's something that we have to do since I'm part of this this school. I like to register my children with a private school when they're in high school because there's a lot of benefits to being a uh, private school student as opposed to a homeschool student. So the grades are not a part of your uh, children's homeschooling. They don't really see the grades. No. But you just kind of play ball with the organization that you belong to, and then you assign grades from there. Right, right. Oh, excellent. And, you know, I found that, and, and the administrator, she told me, she said, you know, don't give your kids A's and everything. She says, that's unrealistic. And when a college looks at a transcript that has all A's for a high school student, they know that, you know, there's something wrong there. Okay, good advice. Thank you, Valerie. Let's open it up again. Uh, don't throw it down. Thank you. These are excellent questions. Can you go uh, go ahead and ask us another question? Uh, there's a, a mom on the line and talking to her children. Just so you know, uh, you're not in mute mode right now. This is Loretta from uh, Washington. Yes, Loretta, go ahead. Uh, when you were talking about the grades that you put down, uh, I mean, I find that my son does straight A work because he loves learning, but so can you just bring him down? Valerie, her question is, uh, she finds that her son tends to do straight-A work, and I'll bet your children uh, do as well when you're doing the unit studies, but you said it doesn't look very good to have A's and everything. What do you do? Do you just bring the grade down? No, no, I wouldn't bring it down. I think what the administrator of our school meant was be realistic, and I'm talking about really high school level um, because in high schools when you have, you know, ninth through 12th grades, when you have the transcript, 
And if it's all A's all the way through all four years of high school for every subject, it does look strange. Now, I'm not saying that that is not acceptable for some students. But, for example, my daughter Mandy, she's very good in history and in literature and all. Math is not her thing. And even though I make her stick with it until she's learned it and mastered it, I would not say she's an A student in math. Okay. Okay, so maybe remembering, reminding ourselves, too, that the studies are not all for the unit, that there is foreign language and music right. and math. Right, there are. Studies going on on the side. Right. Okay, thank you, Valerie. Thank you for that excellent question. I think we have time for one more question, please. Hi. Hi. My name is Susan. Hi, Susan. I live in Georgia, and I homeschool my two grandchildren. Good um, for you. How nice of you. I love it. It's my pleasure, my privilege. Um, I wanted to ask, um, and I'm a little scared. This um, I taught for two years, taught my oldest grandson for two years, and I've just kind of um, picked and chosen, you know, what I would use, trying to make sure that he covered all areas. I got a little afraid because this year he ended third grade and he had to take a standardized I hadn't covered everything. Uh, Susan, we're getting some noise on the line. I'm sorry, Susan. I had to back out and go into quiet mode. Um, anybody who's listening to the recording, it'll kill their ears. Uh, I think your question was, uh, you're homeschooling your grandson, thinking that everything is going along well, and then he took a standardized test and did not do well in it. Uh, Valerie, do you have any response to that? Um, yes. Um, we, I think the, the standardized test could give you an indication that um, it's probably only in one or two areas that he didn't do well, I would imagine. And that lets you know that you need to beef up in that area. Maybe it was math, and maybe his math skills weren't up to par. So that means you need to take some time and do what I call a basic skills unit. And that's where you take six weeks and you really focus on that child's weak area. And maybe let some of the areas just sort of, you know, tone down some of your other study areas for a while. But really focus. Maybe it's reading um, or maybe it's math. Those are, you know, the two general areas. I don't know if she was speaking specifically of science or history. Um, in Florida, the kids are tested only in language arts and math. I, so I'm, thinking, I would, I'm thinking, too, to add to that, uh, Valerie, is that um, your school's trained to the test. So right. for homeschoolers, too, if, if my children were taking a test, I would take some time beforehand and go over sample tests right. and go over test-taking skills. Uh, we're going to be interviewing uh, Bobby DePorter next Tuesday. Uh, and we live in a test-crazy world, and um, Bobby DePorter, her expertise is uh, helping everyone to develop good test-taking skills. Because there are research studies out there where people have taken the aviation test to become um, uh, pilots, and they know nothing about the area. But because they were good test takers, they were able to pass the test. So wouldn't you agree, too, Valerie, that um, I mean uh, that sometimes people know the material, but it's not testing well? That's true. And, and you know, some of these test books like Spectrum um, teach you how to take those tests. And, and it helps the kids to overcome the fear. A lot of times, children don't perform well on tests because they are afraid. And uh, Pat Wyman, we interviewed her yesterday. She's um, 
America's most trusted learning expert from howtolearn.com. And she talks about how test taking is a visual skill. And when we're homeschooling, we're uh, teaching to their learning style, auditory and kinesthetic. But when they're taking tests, suddenly they have to become a visual, a visual learner. And so uh, she has some material at howtolearn.com too that can help you uh, train your child to uh, be good at tests and develop good visual skills so that they can have that instant recall that's so necessary for good test taking. Uh, well, a uh, mom could also use an evaluator, uh, a certified teacher, to do an evaluation of the child, which would not use a standardized achievement test. It'd be more of a personal interview. Oh, wonderful. Uh, Valerie, before we sign off, uh, would you please tell us a little bit about uh, ValerieBent.com and what you have to offer there? I know that our listeners would like to learn more about you and some of the resources that you have. Okay. Um, basically, I think it's the books you mentioned. I have a phonics program, Reading Made Easy, and I have Creating Books with Children so your kids can make their own professional quality books while studying children's authors and illustrators, and that is actually a six-week bookmaking unit. What age group is that for, Valerie? Because we get a lot of requests from um, homeschoolers who want to write their own books. Um, Really, that's for ages. uh, My youngest child made a book at three, and I even have, I teach these as classes, and I have adults who make books. So a young child can dictate a story to mom. And then um, I'm really into puppet making. Uh, we have successful puppet making. Those are animal puppets. And our newest book is Easy to Make Bible Story Puppets with 40 Bible characters. And I love puppets because children, not only do they get to make them and they're fun and easy um, because we have patterns and directions, but then children can use those puppets to retell a story or information they have learned. Thus, they are developing composition skills through an oral mode when they are young. Then when they're older, written composition will not be so difficult. And we have, you know, several other books, uh, the Francis Study Guide, which is a unit study guide based on six books. They're Francis books. They're picture books about a little badger who gets into all kinds of trouble that normal kids get into. And uh, that's a six-week unit study. And I think I I think that covers them all, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Thank oh, you very much. Oh, a preschool much. book, making the most of the preschool year. And I want to I want to spell the name of your website. It's V A L E R I E B E N D T. So that's www.valeriebent.com. And Valerie, I think we should do another interview coming up about that bookmaking cuz I know my own children uh, love writing books and a lot of homeschooling parents are looking for a resource like that. So let's talk about that for the future as well. That sounds great. Thank you so very much for your time today. I took pages and pages of notes. It was just fascinating. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm going to open up the call so everyone can say goodbye and thank you to you. And then we're going to take a five-minute break and we're going to come back in with our next guest, Ray Perry. Uh, Be prepared to take pages of notes. She's a very fast speaker, a lot of energy, and she's going to be talking about entrepreneur education. So I'll open up the call, and if you would, uh, please uh, say a goodbye and thank you to Valerie Bent. We can talk to Mommy and Daddy about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Enjoy your four-minute break, bathroom break, water break, food break, and we'll be back in with a, another uh, exciting hour of interviews. Thank you very much, everyone. Talk to you soon.